Greg, 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 Greg D, the hosting guy. Hey, you're welcome for that. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Random Encounter. This is number 162. That's right, got the number right this time. It's like I know how to do my job or something. <laughs> and I've got you all fooled. Anyhow, we've had a very busy week at the website, especially in the reviews department, so let's just get into what's the latest and greatest so we can get down to an actually pretty truncated episode of Random Encounter. We got some features, a couple of features. Crowdfunding Chronicles with Tina Ola is back. This is uh, entry number nine with a few things that have already wrapped up, some successful, some not. Have a check at what she's been covering there. The other feature is Switchport When, the coverage of 45 games that our various panelists have chosen that they want to see ported over to the uh, Nintendo Switch. Things like the remasters of uh, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, uh, Golden Sun Trilogy, all kinds of fun stuff. For me personally, I didn't write for it, but I would really love to see Dark Sun 1 and 2 come to the Switch, because that would be amazing and would never happen, but that'd be pretty rad. And like I said in the reviews department, it's been a busy couple of weeks. Nathan Lee, who's on the episode today, reviewed The Princess Guide, an action RPG that uh, he kind of brought in at 50%, so... Not sure if it's worth checking out for yourself, but go see what his thoughts were and maybe you'll find something in there that you want to check out for yourself. The final season of The Walking Dead, episode 4, has finally wrapped up. Skybound Games finished off this series that's been going for 7 years and Bob Richardson has been following it all the way for us and got his thoughts out on this final entry that closes off this franchise. Yakuza Kiwami got its PC port and Jonathan Logan was all over that action RPG for us. Says it's a solid game with some shortcomings, so go check out the finer points in his review. This next one, a lovely mouthful, Near Automata, the game of the Yorha edition, uh, was uh, released and Zach Wilkerson got his hands on that, gave it one of uh, a couple editor's choice that I have to talk about today. The other one was given by our queen of the reviews department, Alana Hoggs, to Florence, a stunning-looking visual novel that she has nothing but good things to say about. And last but not least, we talk about it on this episode, Episode Arden. We have joint reviews from Bob Richardson and Peter Treisenberg, who both gave some very contrasting thoughts to how they feel this final DLC of the Final Fantasy XV epic plays out. And don't you worry, I know you love your music, so we got you covered. All of it by Patrick Gann, because again, as we've said, he is a machine when it comes to listening to music. First of all, we got a really neat double feature from, again, some more Corpse Party music. The Whisper of the Nightmare Tarantula slash Scorpion editions dropped, and Patrick Gann was all over listening to that. As well, Persona 4 Dancing All Night's original soundtrack was reviewed by him, so if you want to check out those bumping tunes, by all means, see what he had to say, and uh, maybe pick them up for yourselves. And finally, one last important detail. you know we're hiring? Do you like social media, reaching out to uh, other RPG fans? Then uh, please come on board and join our social media team. Steph and the team uh, keep up to date on so much of our news, but there's a lot of it coming in, as I'm sure you can see. So more hands the merrier. So if you want to submit to us, there is a great big now hiring banner that you really can't miss over at RPGFan.com. And there you have it. It's everything that's going on over at RPGFan.com, where you can check out news reviews and more in all of their lovely longer formats. And now it's time to get on to the short, sweet episode of Random Encounter 162.
Hey there, listeners. You've come back. Thank you for doing that. I'm Greg Delmage, your host for today's episode, and I'm joined uh, by a couple of lovely folks who will tell us their names and their Twitter feed uh, handle wherever they want to be reached. Uh, first of all, there's Peter Treisenberg. Hi, I'm uh, Peter Treisenberg. Uh, you can find me at I Have Fury on Twitter. And we have Nathan Lee returning to the podcast once again as well. Hey guys, I'm at Smash King Twenty Seven. Where did Smash King come from, by the way? Mostly just because I was when I made the name when I was thirteen. Uh, I was the best among all my friends at Smash, so that was basically where I came my na- name came from. Amusingly, <laughs> you coming up with the name Smash King at age thirteen could have gone two directions. So I'm glad it went that way. Uh, moving right along. <laughs> you, you, implying the other one, okay. Exactly. You got it. Everyone will get there. I, I may get scathing emails. Whatever. Um, yeah, welcome to the episode. We got uh, some new stuff to talk about, some old stuff, and all of that is uh, with some great folks today. Uh, Caitlin can't join us, unfortunately, but we'll get her back in because we want to talk about uh, that little bit of a nugget that was dropped about Anthem lately. So look forward to to those kind of comments. Ooh, goody. Can't wait. Mm, yeah. So I've been quite busy myself doing uh, pre-production for another short film that my fiance and I have been brought on to produce. Gentlemen, what have you been busy with uh, with life lately? Uh, mostly just been uh, trying to stay afloat at work and uh, fitting in gaming and uh, news writing time where I can... Uh, listeners may know i i help run the news department at rpg fan and there's always stuff to write about and not enough time or people to get it all out when we want it to so that's always a a challenge that we try to rise to hint hint nudge nudge if you're a budding journalist we want you oh yeah or if you're a staff member and you're listening to this episode keegan yeah i'm calling you out boy (laughs) oof called out but not out of your cage go back in the cage keegan that wasn't an invitation (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm kidding. We love you, Keegan. You do. We stuff. do love you, Keegan. Uh, Nathan, awesome. what have you been doing? Um, I'm tr- I've the last uh, three weeks been trying to stay alive. I've I think I came out with a bad case of bronchitis. Oh, and, uh, gracious, that's no. Fun. That's no good. I remember I was like out for pretty much a week. So does that mean you have been been doing the streaming and stuff as much? Well, I missed one week because of it. That was like the week I got sick. But uh, returned to it last week and this week. Other than that, they're trying to put push out some reviews for, for the site. And we appreciate them. Because, again, there's always tons of stuff coming out and just not enough volunteer bodies. But, hey, we all do good work with the time we can manage, uh, I gotta say. The fact that this site's been going this long on volunteers, blood, sweat, and and tears, didn't mean to rhyme that, whatever, (laughs) is uh, really impressive. (laughs) And speaking of all the blood, sweat, and tears, Final Fantasy XV is finally coming to its end, it would seem. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) You and uh, Caitlin are both dancing on Final Fantasy XV's grave, I'd say, together, even though there's still a lot of people who love it as well. I'm apparently the resident Final Fantasy XV defender, because I love that game. Uh, despite oh, its... you do? I do, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually on team. I, I really like it, despite its many shortcomings. I played all the DLC. I reviewed a couple of them for the site. Um, uh, overall, I was very excited to dive into this this last episode. But you're still happy to see it come to its natural... Or unnatural, I guess. I am a hundred percent ready for them to move on to something new, <laughs> and I think everybody is. It seems to be the scuttlebutt, and I'm super grateful they've listened and more or less hedged their bets at this point to just kind of let things go 
and put those resources and manpower into other projects right which, hopefully fingers crossed final fantasy 16 yeah apparently yoshi p is working on something for next gen console so that is exciting because uh that guy Ooh. did miracle work with 14 that sounds uh like it could be something great i mean how much would it blow everyone's mind if we randomly got like a final fantasy tactics next gen out of nowhere they're just like surprise this is the one we're doing i, I would be here for that but i don't <laughs> don't get my hopes up like that <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry peter <laughs> But yeah, you played Episode Arden. It uh, it was the final DLC for Final Fantasy XV, just dropped on March 26, 2019. Tell us about that, Peter, if you will. Okay, so to give just a little bit of context for anyone who doesn't know, um, Episode Arden is um, the final piece of Final Fantasy XV DLC that was not initially part of the game's season pass. When the game first came out, they announced planned episodes about each of the party members, uh, Gladiolus, Ignis, and Prompto as well as a few other bonuses and extras like the multiplayer mode. And then they announced early last year a second slate of DLC that was it's called Dawn of the Future that was basically meant to be an alternate ending to the story of 15 and provide some more insight into other characters like um, Arden the villain, Aranea, and then ultimately a new conclusion for Noctis and Luna, tragically underutilized heroine of the game. Unfortunately, this doesn't seem to have panned out. Um, Hajime Tabata, the game's director, ended up leaving Square Enix, and uh, all of the DLC was cancelled except for Episode Arden. We are getting, apparently, a tie-in novel that is going to summarize what the cancelled story would have been, which I'm actually kind of interested to check out, especially after playing this, because they do drop some hints as to what that alternate thread might have been. Who's going to be writing? Is it going to be Japanese-based and then translated over? Or? Yeah, it's the same writer who did the tie-in novellas for um, for 13, and I think also worked on um, uh, on Final Fantasy VII, On the Way to a Smile, which was the short story collection that set up Advent Children. Oh, neat. I didn't actually know that existed. I want to. I should track that down. I'd be interested. They just released that in English uh, very recently. It's available. Um, so yeah, no, it's definitely worth checking out. It's uh, So this person's worked with Square for a while. Episode Arden itself um, is the, therefore now going to be the final piece of DLC. And I, I've seen some polarized receptions to this one. It is very fitting, I think, that the final piece of content for 15 is the source of a little bit of controversy. People are either very happy to see more of Arden, to learn more about his backstory... Um, and to play something in this world one last time and other people are like well this doesn't make any sense because it's a prequel and it, it it's clashing and with stuff we already knew about what are you doing square enix and i'm just like i mean whatever it's a it's a it's a collection of retcons which seem to be the way to go yep retcons some stuff that lends some new context to arden and who he is what happened to him and uh is it mostly people are just mad that they didn't get to see more of Arden? <laughs> I mean, I, I think for... I mean, uh, I feel like even with all the uh, like the previous DLC, like, all four of those probably could have just been like alternate dating sims, and everyone would have eaten that up too, of just like letting their fanfiction come to life. I probably would have been okay with that. Arden kind of has that hot dad energy <laughs> thing going. <laughs> but sorry, you were saying. No, so if it, on episode Arden um, uh, is a prequel. It's set before the events of, of 15, and you play as the Arden after his... Uh, we're getting into spoiler territory for a game that came out two years ago now. Be prepared. After his... He's broken out of imprisonment and by the, the Empire, 
and they figure out very quickly, oh, this guy's got evil demonic superpowers. We should utilize this somehow. And Arden wants revenge on the kings of Lucis for imprisoning him. And so they send him in undercover to the capital of Insomnia. And you spend the game basically wreaking havoc, um, trying to destroy the generators that power their magical uh, outer defense shield. And then uh, go to assassinate Noctis's dad, which is all well and good. And we already know that this isn't going to work out for him because... Obviously, the rest of the game exists, but it's a fun two-hour romp, roughly two-hour romp. We're um, playing as the villain of 15, and then um, in flashback form, we get more of his backstory. So there's a segment where we play as him just kind of wandering around Versdale's laboratory, kind of dazed and confused and learning about the world. Would it be welcome to uh, have, I mean, other DLC in this vein from other villains? Like, is it interesting playing from the villain's point of view? Would we want an episode like Sephiroth or Kefka or something like that if they ever brought stuff to the next gen? I think it's an interesting idea because the thing about Arden was that he's kind of a tragic character. Like, his whole villain arc is that he went on the same journey that Noctis did, but ultimately was betrayed and cast down from the throne, and uh, now he's mad, pissed off and wants revenge. And even without playing the DLC, his motives were kind of justifiable, and after playing it, even more so, they really hammer home that this guy got dealt a really a bad hand and is kind of justified in his anger even if his means don't aren't really appropriate. Yeah, it was a little hard to kind of parse together from 15 as written, but mm-hmm. yeah, it generally seems that uh, things weren't in his favor. Yeah, and they make it very explicit in episode art. Like, you meet the brother that betrayed him and... Uh, and created the new the line that Noctis is descended from. They basically sh- there's a whole bit where you can read a bunch of optional lore logs, and that part makes it very clear that the foundation of Lucis is a lie, because they tell a story of a king and the oracle uh, uniting to form the kingdom. And well, based on episode Arden. We know that the first king deposed the true king and murdered the oracle. Are they compelling enough to read? Um, Yeah, it is very interesting. If you want to know more about the world and there is a plot detail that has not been filled in by the other DLCs and or free updates they've done for the game, Episode Arden probably has it uh, written down somewhere. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's it's com- it's it's thorough, if nothing else. Then and the most the nice thing is that Arden is just really fun to play as. Yeah, how does it handle? Because the other DLCs all had different kind of play styles with each of the, the 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 bros. So how does it work for this? He is probably the closest to base game Noctis as any of the DLC characters are. Um, he has roughly the same power set. He can teleport. He has the warp strike. He has a, his own set of royal arms that build up as he lands successful attacks and does more damage. He's also a lot more powerful and has a lot more mobility. Like to the point that I actually I loaded up my old save file and I had a hard time going back at first because Arden gets a double jump. And I'm sorry, once it's hard what? it's hard to go back to non double jump. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And did you play companions at all? Which I'm assuming played like Noctis as well. Uh, com- in comrades, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, that, sorry, that's the one. Yes, that one has a, a slightly different system, but they also have the very similar power sets. Yeah, they can warp and they have. Uh, uh, their own um, array of special abilities. Arden. What makes Arden cool, though, is that his attacks, aside from just his attacks doing way more damage, he has a very generous dodge. By pressing square, he basically turns into a cloud of smoke, and you can maneuver him around the battlefield to set up backstabs. 
And if you do enough damage to an enemy, you can just press triangle and auto-kill them. It's called a demonifying. So you basically just turn them into darkness and absorb them. And it is very satisfying to pull off. And I feel really bad for the hundreds of poor, innocent Kingsglaive officers who were just doing their jobs (laughs) when Fedora Man decided to rain hell upon the city you can also summon ifrit which is really cool because um ifrit was a character um one of the summons in 15 who was tied to arden right tied to arden he was like the second to last boss but he kind of came out of nowhere too so it was like oh wait i want to know more what's the deal with this guy well the dlc does get into more about what ifrit's deal is why he's evil instead of um the other gods who are on the side of noctis and the crystal yeah like i almost thought arden and him were one and the same is the, the sense I kind of got when I left 15. I thought, yeah, Arden was the summon, Ifrit, but then I figured out, I was like, oh, maybe not. No, but, but they, a little unclear. They, get, they get into more that uh, that he is an actual astral that Arden basically uh, turned using his powers. Got it. But uh, overall, it's as far as being a piece of add-on content for this game is, I, I think if you're a fan of it, of 15, you absolutely should give episode Arden a shot. Um, we're going to have dual reviews going up. I don't know if they'll be up by the time this episode goes up, but we have two people writing reviews. I'm one of them. Yeah, who had the com- very conflicting response to your feels? Yeah, Bob Richardson um, had a very different opinion on it than mine. He liked the story and did not like the gameplay. I liked the gameplay and was actually kind of iffy on some of the story turns because I'm an obsessive fanboy and I care about this stuff. Dang it. Um <laughs> Well, this will be an interesting, yeah, joint pair of reviews to come out then. But to give my to give my criticisms in brief, I think it's too expensive. They're charging ten bucks for this, whereas the other character episodes were five. And this also does not come included with the season pass or the royal edition. So if you've bought either of those, tough luck. You're still spending ten bucks to play this. Yeah, and like it probably would have gotten some sort of package deal or a second season pass or something at the end of it all if they had continued. But they had been planning a second season pass for Dawn of the Future, and since that does not, I honestly think they're trying to recoup losses. If I'm being yeah, no doubt. Back. The other thing I don't like, and why I'm a little bummed that Caitlin couldn't join us tonight because I really wanted to get her thoughts on this. Uh, the new Oracle character they introduced in episode Arden. Era is Arden's own lost love, who is kind of meant to be a mirror to Luna. And like poor Luna, her job is to get brutally murdered to make the men sad. And this happens three times over the course of a two-hour DLC episode. What? Like, even like even I was like, okay, guys, this is bordering on fetishistic. <laughs> she even has an alternate death scene, um, depending on how one of the sequences goes. So technically, she has four deaths in this DLC. It is a little surreal, and I thought Arden's backstory was tragic enough without adding the dead girlfriend into the mix. So the DLC, every half hour, basically going, hey, remember your dead girlfriend? Ding! It's a little, it's a little much. <laughs> it seems like like they can't even bother to, to write a decent part for you know the heroine of their games, let alone add insult to injury by just constantly knocking them off and making them into a plot device. It's... It's silly. It's a sad day when Aranea and Iris are your best female characters in 15. And I like I like Aranea, uh, like, but she's kind of one-dimensional, and Iris, is jo- Iris doesn't do anything. Yeah, she's just there to be, you know, the maid. Yeah, and like, and it's 50- if you have a problem with how 15 handles female characters, Episode Arden will not change your mind. It's something I seriously hope. I mean, they'll have obviously probably hopefully have a new team of writers on the next Final Fantasy but it is an unfortunate blight on this particular universe that has not been rectified. That's unfortunate. Uh, you were saying that Arden 
which now seems like handles like Noctis because his story seems to mirror Noctis's quite closely, and especially where the royal line kind of splits from his own family line in some ways. So I'm sure that wasn't accidental. But what I really want to know is in episode Arden, how much fishing does he do? There is no fishing in episode Arden. However... With that hat? There is no fishing. However, there are optional stores where you can buy hats. And you can dress Arden up in a 10-gallon hat, a um, hard helmet a Santa hat, and it is amazing. <laughs> so necessary. Very necessary. <laughs> it is It is. It is the kind of cosmetic extraness that I crave from my JRPGs. <laughs> that's, uh, and then you didn't have to pay for it. I mean, that's, that's where the extra five bucks is going into, is all these uh, extra hats. Exactly. Look, look, I mean, the, the hats are not going to render themselves, guys. They could have charged you 99 cents a hat for the DLC if they wanted, really. Overall, um, I, I, I like Episode Arden. It's not my favorite piece of DLC. In hindsight, I think Episode Ignis is still probably the strongest. I think it, it does a good job of adding to the story of the game. It's being a fun little gameplay experience in its own right. And Darren DePaul is a great voice actor and having him spending more time with, with Arden is a lot of fun. Yeah, he was very much a highlight of 15's overarching main story. Those brief interactions, even if the way he was written was very confusing and made no sense sometimes, still the character was compelling. He gets to go ham in this and it's pretty great. <laughs> Fantastic, which I don't know, with a character like that, it just seems that Square would be smart to try and elevate them up alongside fan favorites of craziness with Sephiroth and Kefka and all that came before them. <laughs> hey, he can join the upper echelon of Final Fantasy villains who kind of actually won if you think about it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Nathan, did you get much into 15? I didn't end up playing it, but uh, just hearing Peter talk about how uh, like Arden has to deal with like his dead girlfriend dying over and over again, it kind of reminds me of 13-2's Caius. In, in, <laughs> you in, know, like, it kind of is. Except Yule was kind of a character in her own right. Not much of a character, but she yeah, had something true. going on. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, no, but I feel you, though. Yeah, no, it's kind of a similar... Not, it's not quite the same plot setup, but it, it, the way it's structured in the DLC, it's a similar situation. Uh, well, I'm glad that uh, kind of gives somewhat of a satisfying wrap-up to the epic that has been 15. Yeah, depending on who you are, I guess. But I look forward to seeing what both you and Bob have to say on the matter. But uh, moving along, uh, another game that came out on March 26th was Nelki and the Legendary Alchemists Atelier of the New World, which Nathan has been dabbling with. Uh, what you got for us from there, Nathan? So this, I, I, put, I got to, well, actually, I kind of put myself into this interesting position where I've never played an Atelier game before, so... I don't know, is that a bad position to be in, really? Well, this is the, I believe, the quote-unquote 20th anniversary game of the series. So this this is this is a game will is bringing in characters from all across the Atelier uh, series. So all the way back from, I think it was Atelier Mary, I think was the first one. And then all the way up to the latest one, which is Atelier... Liddy and Sewell, I believe. I think that's the latest one. I could be. That sounds right. Yeah, which but, but, I think Derek it, reviewed and was not a fan of. If that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the latest, the trilogy, latest trilogy hasn't been exactly the best. But, but yeah. So, so this is like the crossover game for Atelier. So this is their kind of celebration, I guess, of the series for bringing all these characters back together. And but what hooked me was was not just because like I've never played an Atelier game before, anything like that. But uh, I'm a big fan of Sims and town building games, and so when I saw this uh, this game was doing that, I just ne I wanted to like get, get my hands on it. So that's kind of my motivation. It's kind of interesting motivation. It's not like I'm like you know I'm not playing this for the reason of 
wanting to see all these characters together because I've never done that before. Just the simple reason it just is a town building game and I won't need more of those. Well, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize there was that heavy of a, a yeah focus on sim town management because I always thought it was more like shop management and stuff. Yeah. But what, one thing I wasn't planning, one thing I what didn't even know that it would be that like a huge video was just how like in-depth the town building is in Nelkin the Legendary Alchemist. I was expecting more of like an RPG with kind of town building elements, but this feels like more like a town building game with RPG elements. How does it compare to like Nino Kuni 2 per se? That one I haven't played too much either, but I feel like I feel like with Nino Kuni 2, I feel like that's still more of a uh, game that's like mainly focused on on your RPG gameplay, whereas Nelkin the Legendary Alchemist focuses a lot more on your town building. Like the the only real like things you do with an RPG setting in Nelkin the Legendary Alchemist is you uh, kind of go out in the field and you explore. Walking is automatic, like so you don't have to like control anything when you go out for your RPG explorations. You kind of just walk in a straight line and occasionally encounter enemies. So I think you just fight them like normal traditional RPG. But that's the the only like real RPG elements to it. There's like um, I mean, it has the the Italian uh, formula of you need to research things to advance the story, and you have tasks you have to complete in order to get to the next major plotline. But other than that, it's RPG elements are kind of secondary to the game. That's just my feelings on it. I mean, I'm not disappointed with that because I wanted a town building game, but just wasn't expecting that kind of emphasis. Well, that's pretty rad. I, when it comes to the town building now, is everything just kind of laid out for you? How does the progression work in it? Do you have to unlock stuff as you do quests, or do you have to collect items and stuff to kind of build up the town, or is it just a question of just having enough money? Uh, so the way it works is. So you start off with like kind of like your base materials, which you can get through exploration or through like dispatching people on, onto fields to do expeditions. Then what you do is you you bring those back to your town. You ask an alchemist to craft the items for or synthesize the items for you. Then you set them up in a shop to be sold, and then you get the money you get from you know selling stuff is used to build up your town. And it's kind of like that circle of life kind of thing where you have to you know send people out to get get materials or you go get materials. The people or the t- the uh, alchemists make the items. You sell the items, and then you know it keeps going on and on like that. So the main thing that the objective of the game is to is to build basically this village that you have at the start of the game with like 50 people. You need to grow it into like a town or a city, basically, and that's your your objective in the game. But Nelki has her own separate agenda where she's interested in relics, and what one of the the, the village that you're trying to build up I used to have a relic nearby, but no one knows what it is or like h- how it was created. But just, everyone just knows it's around there somewhere, just waiting to be discovered. So that's your secondary objective in the game, and that's the way you get true ending is by having Nelki like discover this. I think it's like kind of like a, like a legendary tree or something, like kind of like a world tree. I can't quite remember the name of it off the top of my head. But so that's that's what you need to also need to aim for. Okay, cool. So when you say, I guess, that it feels more like the RPG stuff is just kind of tacked on, is like, is the story compelling enough to kind of keep you going through things, or are you just playing it for the, the, the town building? Does it feel more like, I guess, like a Harvest Moon, where the story's kind of superfluous, and you're just doing it for the routine? The story, like, only really comes... It's more of, like, character interactions. I think that's what's more of the focus, other than the story. Cause oh, so yeah, basically Harvest Moon. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because because basically what happens is uh, you can also go and visit like like basically over the course of the game like other alchemists from across the series will join your town or come and work in your village, and then you can talk to them. You can basically have these nice conversations like just basically kind of get get to know them like as characters, which is helpful for me because I've never played any other Atelier games. So like just meet these characters and get to know them for the first time is like it's new for me. 
basically, if you, when you go and visit them, you can also get uh, you can increase the friendship level. Friendship levels will allow you to research better stuff, and it goes that kind of progression system. Basically, you just I find a hard time trying to explain it. Uh, it kind of sounds similar to the progression system for anyone who's played it listening of Little Dragon's Cafe. I don't know if either of you two got a chance to dabble with it. I did the review of it, so I got to play it. And essentially, yeah, you're just getting to know the various guests that come in, and once you get to a certain friendship level with them, it kind of unlocks the next step of their story until you've finished their story and then moves on, a new guest comes in, rinse, repeat. And that's yeah. basically how you progress through the entire tale. I was tale. really curious to check that one out, but I didn't end up playing it, no. Yeah. Like, I, I dabbled into it. Like, I, I was the one who even gave it my, like, when I went to E3, uh, I was, like, potential, like, game of show at E3. Oh, cool. But even after, I did end up getting it. I think that I ended up playing something else or need to review something else at the time, so I've only played, like, a few hours. But uh, this, it's it's kind of similar to that, but it, but it's more, like, in Malkin Legend of Alchemist, it's more of a secondary thing of getting to know these characters. Like, you'll need to... Like you need to, I'm sure you need to reach like a minimum threshold in order to be able to research the items that you need to discover that that that, that relic. But it's not like the main objective. Huh. Interesting. I'm sure, a lot of people do it just because, like, for fan service and get to know like the characters, or like meet them again, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing for yourself, having never played them. I guess you can't really speak to how fan servicey the introductions of all these past characters are, or do yeah. you get kind of a sense, even not knowing as much about it, what it kind of feels like? I can kind of get a sense, because this aren't, like, as of right now, I've, some of the characters from their original trilogy, so the very first Atelier games are the characters I have in my town right now, and I'm sure, like, over the course of the game, they'll, like, introduce them. I believe it looks like, sounds like chronological order, considering the, the way I have them right now, but I'm sure for, like, people who have played Atelier before, this would probably be their cup of tea, like, just seeing all these characters together for the first time well that's pretty cool i don't know if uh what game would i ever want to see like or i guess a franchise of everything coming together i mean nintendo's already done with smash bros and that's always fun to see how that works out but like as far as big rpg series if i wanted to see like the entire family brought together uh well i mean even final fantasy's been doing it uh, off and on with certain things yeah with the city and stuff but it would be really interesting to see an actual like full-on Final Fantasy RPG that actually does dabble into all the worlds. They did. It was wor- it was World of Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, that World of Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, Fantasy. I guess that kind of you're right. That and you all should have played it because it's good. <laughs> I debated picking up the remaster or whatever the the better version that Maxima? was released for the Switch. Yeah. I was thinking about getting Maxima it's worth as well. it. They they actually added a ton of stuff in that re-release. And is it multiplayer? No, um, it's a single player RPG um with capture mechanics, kind of like Pokemon. Oh, gotcha. I couldn't remember if it had couch co-op I don't or not. Believe it does. To my knowledge, but then again, I, I played it on a PS PS4, so I, I can check it really quick. I have it on my shelf. One second. Didn't? Oh, maybe it did. Oh, mm, I feel like it did on the DS. Like they had some sort of local or online play where you could have someone drop in, but I can't remember now because I remember Annette and I were debating getting into it and adventuring together because of that reason. But then when we heard the initial reviews on the first go at it. It was kind of eh. We realized it wasn't really probably worth doubling down and buying For two copies of, of it fantasy or are you thinking of a different game because no i'm thinking of explorers. oh yeah the, mon- the monster hunter explorers thing. oh okay yeah. yes that's the, the one i'm hunter thinking one. of and that's the one that unfortunately yeah i heard that was so pretty great. bad but yeah which is such a shame because it sounded so fun i mean we were both kind of digging the monster hunter vibe and we wanted something fun to play with on our ds's together and that would have been yeah, that was a good a treat pitch. but I mean, yeah like, it, yeah final fantasy monster hunter is a pretty good pitch as far as i'm concerned but alas yeah i think that was during the glory days of 3ds monster hunters as well mm. yeah it's true although they're just a little more steeper barrier of entry mm-hmm. but that's cool um what would be your dream mashup 
Peter, that if you can think oh, of anything man. that you'd love to see, like all the worlds of an RPG come together. Oh man, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess I would like to see more uh, Chrono Love in uh in like other Square properties, like like Kingdom Kingdom Hearts has pretty much dropped the uh the crossover aspect right now. It's it's mostly Disney and, and its own characters rather than Final Fantasy stuff. That's what I was hearing about three. Because yeah, because there's a lot of there are already, already a lot of spiky haired anime boys in this series, but um. I would really like to see like something like the world ends with you's cameo in dream drop distance, like bring the chrono crew or something like that. Give them something fun to do. That'd be cute. That'd be kind of fun to see. Yeah. All those kind of worlds smashed together as well. Well, that's cool. Uh, for myself, as far as the latest things go, I finally had time to get back to left alive. I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> <laughs> My loss of time. I won't go too much into it. Cause listeners heard me on the last episode, kind of go on it. Am I Review will be coming out probably in the next week or two because I am very close to wrapping up the final few chapters of the game, and it's yeah, it's just been a, a weird relationship where I keep thinking things are going right, and then all of a sudden it just takes two steps backwards and punches me in the face. So it's a very Ouch. weird love hate relationship with this game because there's so much good going on, and even though I was very negative on it the last time we were talking about it, and we'll see what I have to say by the end of the game. But it's clear that the the developers put so much good work into this title, and it had so much going for it. It's just unfortunate that somewhere the wheels came off, and yeah, I'm looking forward to putting these thoughts onto paper and expressing it out more. On a more positive note... Is the enemy approaching? The enemy is approaching. Caution, the enemy is approaching. Caution, the enemy is approaching. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Koshka. Used. Nope, that's too objectionable to say. Um, uh, Koshka is like the town computer. She's oddly down to hang with anybody, apparently. Even though like she's for a specific military purpose. Just anyone can apparently pick it up and log into it and receive the benefits of... It's bizarre. Escaped convict? Sure, you can have one. It's bizarre. She's very helpful, quote-unquote. Helpful. <laughs> and again, as I said to Caitlin, like, there's definitely the odd moment where she'll chirp up and I'm just like, oh gosh, and I wasn't expecting someone to just come patrolling up behind me, and that's where it's helpful. But again, when I'm slowly creeping up on somebody and they are right in front of me and I'm the one approaching them, it just seems yeah. bizarre. And it's weird because you'll do cutscenes, and in the cutscenes they make like other characters can hear her. But when you're doing the sneaking around and stuff, clearly they can't. So I was always wondering, I'm like, does it buzz in my ear or do people hear it? Or is it just implied from my reaction they understand what she said? Like, <laughs> it just seems, if she is speaking out loud, that seems very counterintuitive to the whole stealth aspect. Say la vie. Well, exactly. It's, it is what it is at this point. And uh, yeah, there'll be more thoughts on that. As far as more positive Square Enix experiences go, you were just speaking about Chrono Trigger and the Chrono Love. Gwen and I's current ongoing RPG love that we do, we basically go through a game together, which is basically me playing it, her gleaning all the secrets and enjoying the story while I read it out in all the voices <laughs> for stuff that isn't voiced. So right now we're going through Chrono Trigger. We wrapped up on uh, Paper Mario, and then this was the next one she wanted to dive into. And I gave her the choice because we had a SNES Mini. I was like, do you want to do the classic Super Nintendo one, or do you want to do the PlayStation one? And she's like, well, what's the difference? I'm like, well, aside from load times, uh, the PlayStation one does have the anime cutscene. So she was pretty stoked with that. So she's been enjoying the odd little cutscene that comes up, because um, Akira Toriyama's work in that is... It's really neat seeing some of those scenes brought to life. Absolutely. And it's funny to yeah. see how safe they kind of play by only focusing on Chrono, which she was pretty quick to call out. And I'm like, well, it's because they just don't know who you're going to have in the party at that point, right? There's always two mystery yeah. characters. 
And she's like, oh, that's fair. And it's bizarre, though, when you see these things and, like, I find the sound effects and the music, all that stuff is all, like, bounced really nicely, but it's just weird that they make no no voice noise whatsoever. And it was just, it just seems a little odd that no one ever has any expression whatsoever vocally. At any rate, uh, it's been, yeah, I just, I love that game. It's been nice to have this excuse to go back into it. So I kind of look forward to the times that we get to dive in. Uh, it's also really uh, good for the ego when, like, A, I've gotten as far as she's ever seen. Because she started it with her dad a while ago, but he they just kind of petered out on it at some point. Or he got stuck, I think, fighting Mass Immune. Or I can't remember who All got right. stuck fighting. He just wasn't uh, probably leveled enough or just didn't quite figure out the the technique to the way you can easily take him down. Whereas I remember a lot of, especially a lot of the early game stuff, I have pretty committed memory. So it's fun listening to her marvel over my prowess at Chrono Trigger. <laughs> And so it's very satisfying. Be like, yes, I am a like, Chrono Trigger god. Uh, so that's really, it's nice to be idolized in the eyes of your daughter. <laughs> and yeah, that's just a, it's just a fun game. When did you first play Chrono Trigger, Peter? Ages ago. Um, I played. I actually played it when it came out on DS, which has. Was that your first playthrough? It was. Yes. Um. Uh, and I was in high school. Um, and my friend gave uh, let me borrow his copy. Once he found out I hadn't played. Chrono Trigger before, and I was hooked. It's the first time I feel old now. Oh my I'm, gosh! Sorry, I'm 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 a I'm a wee youngin, <laughs> but um yeah. So I was really into the DS version of Chrono Trigger. This is the one with the refined translation and the um some additional content along with the anime cutscenes and all that good stuff. Yeah, it is the definitive one, isn't it? And is that the one they ported? Technically, yes. Uh, the one they the port was based technically the mobile version, but that was based on the DS version. It has all the same enhancements. Hmm, that's tempting. It's actually. uh it's it's worth it. There is an interesting little um epilogue chapter that ties into Chrono Cross, which uh wink wink future retro encounter listeners. Um <laughs> I'm playing Chrono Cross right now actually, so <laughs> sweet deal. Uh, Nathan, how about yourself? Did you ever get through Chrono Trigger? That that game's a little bit... Uh, I never had a Super Nintendo when I was young, so I never played it. Never had a PlayStation, so I couldn't play it again. Then, it's... Yeah, I never found the time. It's, it's actually something I mentioned to... <laughs> I get it. Time. Chrono Trigger. Good one, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were saying? Yeah, I was mentioning to, um, I think, the Twitch chat that when I was streaming for RPG Fan a little while ago, that's... I was wondering like, if I should, maybe in the future, just do like a you know, the quote-unquote RPG fan plays RPG JRPG classics for the first time this segment or something like that. I feel like there's an audience for that. It's worth it, and it is a comparably brief game. Like, Yeah, we've been ripping through it pretty quick, and I think you can definitely make a case for for that. And especially, I think there'd be the added audience draw of you being like the one human in the JRPG community who hasn't played it. So people would be fascinated <laughs> to watch you play this dry playthrough of like, I've never done this before. Come watch me do it. And I feel like you'd also get a lot of fun heckling. Yeah, probably. That's just why I was thinking about doing Yeah, that could be really neat. I mean, I feel like we could definitely benefit from having a classics. I mean, or as it is, Wild Arms is one of the ones up there right now too, which is a classic at this point, I suppose. And we've had people go back to Lufia and, oh, not, what's that game? It's not Quest 64. The one that's supposed to be like the Link killer that was on the playstation oh, Alund- that was, Al- yeah, was like the Al- alundra 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 yes that's okay. right that max was playing so we've had some good classics on there i think you could definitely throw that back and it would bring in the viewership the only time i've ever watched someone play anything on twitch at any length has actually been watching them play chrono trigger oh that's interesting okay i mean i'm sure there's definitely an audience for it well then uh, i look forward to your first experience with it and really look forward to hearing what you have to say about it because it's definitely a formative rpg in a lot of ways my uh, my best friend Pat was the one who had it on the Super Nintendo back in the day, so I played it at his house now and again. 
I remember borrowing it and bringing it to like my uncle's house because I didn't have a Super Nintendo, but I knew where I was going to stay for some family time away. I had access to a Super Nintendo and maybe who my mom was dating at the time, his sons had a Super Nintendo. So I feel like I borrowed the cartridge and was able to play it wherever I kind of could. And uh, I don't think I ended up beating it that first go around. I don't think I ever actually completed the game until I got it for the PlayStation. And it's just kind of neat with the PlayStation that you can kind of save all the endings and you after you've gone through the whole game, you get to open like a encyclopedia of all like the enemies and the loot and all that sort of stuff, which is kind of neat. And then of course, uh, it stores all the different endings. So the, once you've done a new game plus, you can just kind of plow through and then unlock all the different endings at the different points. Yeah, it does make that a lot easier. Instead of having to do a full game. Some of the joke endings are great too. Like Right? The the uh, the guy rating one, the, the dream team one, those are both mm-hmm. up there. And I know Gwen's excited to see some of these different endings. So hopefully we'll uh, be able to kind of rip through a new game plus and check out some of the different stuff the game has to offer instead of just going to YouTube, which we could, but whatever. Right. Uh, games that you are currently playing though... Uh, that you haven't missed the boat on. We finally got Dragalia Lost. We brought it up a bit. I mean, not finally. I mean, we got it on in Canada finally, because Nathan yeah. and I are over here in the uh, the cold, frigid north, where apparently games don't always come to. But weirdly enough, yeah. Dragalia Lost just <laughs> launched in the states, and they forgot about us for a while. But we finally got it, and we both jumped on board for a bit. Nathan, you've been playing it more than I. They had to send it back. Carrier moose. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Nathan, you've been playing Dragalia Lost. Uh, jokes against our home and native land aside. Sorry. <laughs> yes. It's okay. I appreciate them. Ya hoser. I mean, I'm an, I'm an American, so I really have no leg to stand on in this discussion. My Our homeland sucks right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I'm actually reviewing uh, Dragalia Lost for the site as well. Because um, one thing I noticed when I first started playing Dragalia Lost, I think it was a couple days in. I was like, I wonder what what we thought of it, or what our reviewer thought of it. So we took a look over to our mobile review section, and I was like, oh, we don't actually have a review for Jagalia Lost. We thought nothing. We have no opinion. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll let me uh, just remedy that, and because uh, especially because uh, us, we actually gave it our mobile game of the year as well, so. I think we should have a review for it. So Yeah, it makes sense. And it. I feel like Derek probably would have dropped one, but if he was getting so busy with so many other things in his life that yeah. getting back to the reviews hasn't been on the prop top of his yeah, list. That's understandable. So. so yeah, what are you thinking of it so far? I actually like a mobile game. That's crazy. Because like, normally I'm one of those people who is like, I'm old school of like, these stupid mobile games, they just waste people's time. They don't have any merit. Even though I'm a big Final Heroes player, but... Even then, like, Final Heroes, I just kind of played, just go through the motions. But uh, Dragalia Lost is a game I actually sunk my teeth into, and I'm actually really enjoying it. Why is that? There's a multitude of reasons, I guess. One of the main things is it's, it feels it's such a charming game. Like, it's a game with, like, there's a, it's a great cast of characters in it. It's The story they tell is really good. It's just, I don't know, there's something about it. There's also the soundtrack's also pretty good as well. It is really nice. Uh, do you play with lyrics on or lyrics off? Uh, lyrics on. I did for a while, and then I just found them too distracting sometimes, so I had to kind of, when I, especially when I was idling around like the home menu just doing stuff, I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't hear these lyrics ever again. So I had to <laughs> turn them off for a while, because, yeah, I just find the music's good and stands on its own for sure. And it's a very polished game. And yeah. you were saying, so yeah, the story's kind of got you on it? Yeah, so... Because I wasn't expecting it to, because usually with mobile games, I don't usually get into, like, any kind of stories or anything like that, but... Jigali Lost, I feel like this could be, like... 
in any other game, and I, and it would stand on its own as well. Yeah, and I found the same thing. Like the story is really well thought out. The characters are really well developed, and it's it's heavy like on story. I was expecting is, yeah. you know the odd little intro to the odd mission, but I'll go through like a half hour play session and maybe actually only go through gameplay once. And then the rest of that has mm-hmm. just been going through story development, whether it's been voiced or not, uh, the 3D cutscenes or not, and even then, like, the 2D imagery and everything is stellar. Like, the design of yeah. this game from the ground up is spectacular, so it is a joy mm-hmm. to play and watch. But for that reason, too, it's why I was kind of starting to bounce off of it, because I found too much of my time was being sucked into, I'm just reading through walls of text. And it's not that it's not compelling, it's just I have so much other things to do and other things that like, can take my time that I didn't yeah. feel like I could really dedicate to. I found myself just trying to skim through it as quickly as I could, which I feel is not doing yeah. the justice to the team's work mm-hmm. on that. Sorry, Steven. Yeah. I love your words. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, I kind of had to I had to uninstall it for that reason. Also, with the added obligation of it's one of those games that has a, a daily loot benefit to checking in, and just yeah. having too many of those on my phone demanding my attention, it was just becoming such a chore every day to like check into like four or five different games that I had to kind of. I realized what am I doing with my life? I'm spending like X amount of time in my morning just going through to get free loot bags for this thing that I only still have like a bare bones understanding of. This is not worth my time. I have other things I should be doing with my time, so I just took away that obligation. But I'm glad you stuck with it. But Peter, have you? dabbled in the dragalia lost at all i haven't no um i'm I'm curious to do so i'm kind of curious if nintendo's going to expand it to other platforms at some point if the ip proves to be successful i could definitely see this at home on the ds for certain yeah i can i can see this expanding. yeah mostly mostly my phone is just kind of a cheap piece of junk and it does the trick but it for what i need it to but it's yeah and this one i feel like is a powerhouse of a game that demands a lot of it yeah i can play i can play pokemon Mm, go and maybe dual links that sometimes is enough though if you got something to go through yeah for sure Or if you got time to kill rather it's good enough i suppose for sure and nathan uh as far as the gameplay goes uh it's it's really fun like i find it really engaging and it's flashy yeah it is yeah I wish I had, I guess, more control over the various party members, but... Yeah, I agree with that. That's the other thing with these games. You have so many different party members that you're like, who do I favor? For me, I, I, I stuck with, like, kind of... like I'm kind of like a person who likes sticking with with canonical stuff. So I just kind of stuck with the, you know, one of the initial party members. Because you get five of them at the start, you can only bring along four. But I mostly stuck with that initial five. And I was able to basically, like, not plow my way through the game. But I was able to get through the game without too many... Too much trouble. So... Uh, even just sticking with your basic like four or five characters you get to start. And that's another thing that, that's great too, because when I played through Fire Emblem Heroes, the, the story characters they give you, I never felt like they were good enough until you had to upgrade them. But in this game, you can go through like most, like, pretty, almost, most if not all of the story with your basic cast of characters, which I much appreciate. It means you don't have to rely on the on summoning like a really good character just to, to be able to get through the story. Yeah, you'll want those for doing more of the... Uh the post main story content with the special events and stuff because that's when they'll really drop the hard stuff on you yeah the events right now that i'm doing are just kind of demand that you have like a really strong roster of characters yeah especially if you want to do like the extra content i mean the basic content can be a little challenging but then once you've unlocked that and gone to the the bigger boss battles and stuff that's when it's just like you need to have a party of four thousand or more or five thousand or more and that's yeah. when it's gets to be tricky yeah but that's what i like the local co-op co- well not local co-op but uh, the multiplayer in this game, so you can guess you can tackle most of the quests in the game with 
the people around the world. So if you ever run into an issue with completing certain missions, you can always just sign up for a co-op mission. Assuming people are around. It really helps it out. Yeah. But actually, I'm, I really find issues with lobbies. Unless it's like a like almost like a mid, like not a low-level mission, but like kind of like the mid-tier missions. There's no one really doing those because I guess, you know, the veterans are helping people down below. And then, you know, all the the hardcore people are doing like the highest level missions. So sometimes might be an issue there. But other than that, there's a lot of people playing the game. So I usually don't find issues with a lot of finding lobbies. That's good to hear. And there was that whole, I guess not so much a scandal, but just, I guess Nintendo chafed the, the company that's working on it by trying to insist that they scale down on the amount of pay-to-play content and uh, yeah, revenue that, that they were getting from it. On the one hand, I think that's great, and I love the fact that they are yeah. keeping the consumer in mind and wanting to mm-hmm. encourage people just to play the game for the sake of playing it. On the downside, you know, I feel kind of bad for the developer who is clearly hoping to get some coin back on it in a lot of ways, but at the yeah. same time, I'm sure they're making more than enough, and I'm sure the only people really yeah. complaining are shareholders at the very top of the food chain, and it's not like the staff who are translating and developing and drawing for this are going to see any of that extra change anyways so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't be too worried about that honestly i'm not gonna lose sleep about it although we do want steven to be able to pay yeah. his bills so absolutely that's true yeah <laughs> but they've put in some quality work so i can see where they kind of want to turn around a profit on it but you know i just think it's great that nintendo's just like no here's this beautiful quality game we just want you to enjoy it and not feel like you're being gouged to like try and get to the next level yeah that's one thing i really appreciate is that the game is very free to play friendly you can go into this game and not spend a single cent and you can still do relatively well in it that's the same thing that's kept me coming back to record keeper after all these years with it as well and probably the same for mike salvato on the site who's i think one of the other people who i talk to about playing it still is just yeah you can get through so much of the content on a free ride so easily and it's all such quality content and they're just constantly giving you good stuff that it's just like eh, it doesn't necessarily need to be a buyer's game like magic the gathering yeah i'm sure like side games like side games is actually like i've talked to a lot of my friends who play like their other games like the most of them never released at least outside of japan but my friends uh, you know find ways to play them anyway one, one thing that they always tell me is that side games is the developer of dragalia loss is very generous with their giveaways for doing particular things for example right now in dragalia loss is not it's their sixth anniversary event going on right now, and basically I ca- I calculated and the amount of stuff that they give you can give you 43 free summons, like basically over the course of these next 10 oh, days. snap! So I think that's pr- pretty awesome for the, for them to just do that, especially during like a particular event. Well, before we move on, what's your coolest summon you've gotten? Uh, my coolest summons? Um, I like some of like summons that you, so there's five types of summons, sorry, three types of summons. There's your adventures, which are the characters you play as. There's dragons, which you can transform into. And then there's worm prints, which no one wants. But they're basically like, like equipable items that you can get. But I think one of my coolest summons is one of the um, one of the dragons I got. I can't remember his name right at the top of my head right now. But, was uh, he from one of the special events? Or? Yeah, he's from one of the special events. Oh, I think it was Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is pretty awesome. He's basically like a... He's kind of like, he's a human, he's kind of like a humanoid with like he has swords for some reason like 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 the floating swords he oh yeah that, that. you get gurugimish um <laughs> yeah well it's like i unlocked yeah a few that are like little demons or like imps instead yeah. of dragons yeah, i was like imps. oh interesting that you can transform into i was gonna say that, that i was talking to some friends just today actually earlier and uh they mentioned to me because i didn't know this that some of those characters that are in dragalia lost are from other side games uh games as well so there's uh shadowverse and Grand Blue Fantasy, I think they moved a couple of characters from that series into Dragalia Lost, just to kind of, I guess, for a little bit of fan service or to kind of fill out the roster. 
I oh, think that's, that's cool. a pretty cool touch. They're also uh, doing a uh, crossover with Fire Emblem Heroes in a little bit because they announced that. That makes sense. At the end of their last, yeah, direct. I guess Dragalia Lost Direct or whatever it's called. So that that'll be interesting when Fire Emblem Heroes start coming into Dragalia Lost. Yeah, that'd be a cool crossover event to see some of those heroes in and amongst all these new faces. For myself, I feel that's part of the reason I felt bad leaving is because I had just pulled like a really cool drop from the last event, the the Shadow one. If I can get his name right, but I actually oh, yeah, got yeah. the Dragon Nyarlathoth. Nyarlothep? Oh, Nyarlothep, yeah. I actually pulled that one, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is really sweet. But also, I had, like, no shadow characters aside from, like, the elf that they give you, so I had no one I was really leveling up to pair them up with and get the synergy. But still, it was a really neat drop, but I just, yeah, I just needed to walk away, unfortunately. He's a cool dragon. You actually get, well, if you spend money, you can get him right now for free. Oh, there you go. Well, even then, like, and that whole quest line just had, like, such fun wordplay with, between him and the the wizard scholar guy yeah. Uh, yeah it was really well written it's a cool event yeah yeah those are just like the side events too that's you didn't even have to do anything for like start doing like an event like that but they put a lot of effort into making the story well exactly really like it too. was such a fully fleshed out piece of essentially dlc there's yeah. clearly a lot of love and attention given to this game it's writing it's world building and that's the thing that i find the most attractive and yeah like peter was saying i really hope that this gets built into being a bigger IP for Nintendo's various consoles that they continue to work with. Like, it would be at home on the 3DS, it would be at home on the Switch quite easily, being a more full-out game that isn't pay-to-play and all that sort of stuff, or free-to-play for that matter, rather. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd love to see more more content like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even other developers can definitely take a page from how well put together this game is for uh, a phone title. Yeah, yep, I can agree. Speaking of good things on Nintendo devices... Peter, you've gone back to uh, a little thing called Pokemon White. What brought you back to that old gym? Uh, mostly just excitement for Sword and Shield. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Pokemon Black and White Gen 5 is the generation that I missed, so I wanted to go back and give it a try because I've heard such great things about it. It's one of the fan-favorite generations. And um, playing, I recent, I just finished White Version, and uh, yeah, I think I can say with confidence it's probably up there as one of my favorite Pokemon games. It's just a really, really fun, really solid iteration on the formula. I really like um, what it does differently. I, I actually, I really like the decision to only include brand new Pokemon until the credits roll for the first time. They basically made a whole new batch of 150 and up until that point. Oh, that is true. Yeah, so up until the until the post game you're only going to be meeting new Pokémon. I think that's brilliant, like honestly, because it really made me mix up my choices and get to know these new critters and honestly, and Gen 5 has some really great Pokémon designs. Like everyone makes fun of the the ice cream cone and the garbage bag, but man, there's so many other cool Pokémon in Gen 5. Like, I had a giant fire orangutan, and a flower dress lady thing, and a samurai narwhal, like, (laughs) uh, an electric flying squirrel that's adorable, and I love him and will protect him with my life. (laughs) Emolga is so cute, and actually, it's it's pretty fun to use, too, because you you just abuse Volt Switch. I really enjoyed, uh, like, the Timber Girder, Conkledur family although i never had anyone to trade with to evolve into conkledur but they're really cool i was a little bummed by that because i wanted i like gigalith a lot but i and i couldn't get him alas yeah same i settled for excadrill for my obligatory rock uh, ground user excadrill's got a really cool design it's a really rad pokemon as well throwing soccer neat too and i like 
their focuses on uh, you know again one being more like the throws and the other one being and punching and stuff and the other one more about kicks and such mm-hmm. I think is really neat Scolipede I think was one of my standbys too because I had Pokemon Black which if we ever get local we'll do some trading and evolving I'd say for sure <laughs> but uh, Scolipede and like Crocodile Darmanitan are like some of the cool ones that I really enjoyed although I've never really kind of figured out how to do the Darmanitan like Zen mode standard mode thing what's that about did you figure that I out? I did not actually. This is actually the first I've heard of it. Um. Oh yeah, they had like I I can't remember if it was told to me in game or not, but I know Darmanitan has like its standard mode where it's like you know fighting fire monkey thing, which looks uh, cool as heck. But there's also like a Zen mode where it's just like blue, like a statue kind of thing, and I'm not sure how that works out. But oh, I guess it's in a it's a hidden ability for Darmanitan depending on when uh when you use it that's interesting i didn't even know this was a thing right oh and of course um mike solosi's favorite solosis understandable is from that era as well i forgot about that <laughs> oh yeah solosis is is a really good psychic type pokemon yeah it's really good and we were trying to figure it out on um the episode we were talking with gwen when we brought her on to talk about sword and shield there was one i really loved which was Carablast and shelmet and i thought they were the coolest thing because when you trade them across they evolve you have to trade a Shelmet for a Carablast, and then the Carablast evolves into Escavalier, and then the other one evolves into Excelgore, which kind of look like they basically switch evolutions is what it looks like. Yeah, that is a really neat concept. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super cool. Oh, yeah, and I had Haxorus. Haxorus was BA. Haxorus is really cool. Yeah. So is Hydreigon. Axew is adorable as heck, and then turns into this, like, beast with an axe for a face, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, they do have some really... It was probably one of the first generations that actually had some really nifty pokemon again that kind of mm-hmm. got me interested especially like you said i never noticed until now that you mentioned it that yeah they do kind of force you to get to know these pokemon because i'd seen to remember i was like i thought there were others in here but no there wasn't mm-hmm. and so yeah i haven't beaten black yet myself so that would make sense as to where they are yeah it's it's i think it's an interesting way to get people to mix up their teams and get to know the new batch of critters um in general i like how the game looks i really love the the change to the sprites how they kind of animate it's a nice change um it made me mad <laughs> how so I'll, i kept playing it because i had it on the 3ds when i bought my 3ds secondhand from somebody he sold it to me for 200 bucks canadian with pokemon black as well and okay. it was and it's the 3ds xl so it was oh, a good okay. deal and I remember playing it and just being like, why are you not in 3D? Because everything just like pops at you with the way it's animated with the 3D backgrounds, the beautiful sprites. And I just wanted it to pop off my screen. I wanted to abuse that 3D <laughs> mode. But no, it's gorgeous. You're right. Sorry, you were saying that. <laughs> no, you got to play an actual uh, 3DS game for that. And even then, they kind of disabled the 3D effects going forward. Because I think it, when you played it with X and Y with the 3D on, they, the game would chug. Yes. And even then, it wasn't 3D in the battles. And like... I think world-building-wise, Unova is a really great region. I love how you get to know the gym leaders, how they all kind of show up for the final fight. I think Team Plasma is one of the most effective Pokemon villains in that they actually have an agenda that kind of makes a little bit of logical sense in this universe. I mean, it's all a front for Getsis, dominate the world, crazy man thing. But the idea of like a team of basically evil Pokemon PETA is probably the only Pokemon plot besides Team Rockets that makes any sense. So I kind of like seeing that. I like N as a character. Um, I really just liked the cast in general was really lively and likable and uh, had more personality than uh, I typically get from you typically get from these games. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. been a while since I played it. And I can't remember, but I do 
I do remember enjoying going through it, but I I remember getting Y not too long after I got it because that's pretty much why I got my 3DS around then was I wanted to jump in on the Y train and finally get into a Pokemon game again. So mm-hmm. I went back and dabbled down again, but I haven't uh, finished it yet. Have you done Black or White at all, Nathan? I uh, played... Uh, I can't remember which one. Black or White, I can't remember which one I played. I remember enjoying it. I remember liking the story that they told because, you know, like like Peter says, it's one of the first... like. One of the few times where they've actually tried to create a coherent story. But other than that, I don't... Like, I played through Block 2 and White 2 a little bit, but I didn't end up, like... I don't know, I, didn't, I couldn't end up sticking with it. For some reason, Gen 5 just doesn't stick with me, personally, but I, I know, like, a lot of people enjoy Gen, Gen 5 just because of the, how mm-hmm. different it was. Yeah, so I'm glad, I'm glad to have, you know, done done my catch-up on the Pokemon series for now, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes in Sword and Shield. What's your starter going to be, uh... Peter, who are you in love with right now? Uh, right now, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Score Bunny. And why would you say that? I, I, I usually go with the fire types. Um, I find they're pretty powerful. I, I like the other two's design, but there's just something about, you know, I don't know, Fire Rabbit. It makes sense. It looks good. I, I'm into that. Fire's fast. There you go, fast. Uh, and yeah, Nathan, you weren't around for that episode either. Are you going to jump in on the Sword Shield bandwagon? Oh, yeah. I get every single Pokemon game that comes out. Well, well not every single one, but I'll, I'll, every single one in the main series. You're still playing uh, Hey You Pikachu? Hey You Pikachu? Oh, my God. Don't <laughs> I, I actually think that Pokemon Channel is an underrated masterpiece. I actually enjoyed Pokemon Channel too. That's not, it's not that bad. Yeah. I vaguely remember it. It was on the Wii, right? No, it was on that GameCube. GameCube. Oh, that seems like it should have been on the Wii, given you know the whole channel thing. Like basically, maybe it's because I just hated I hated Pikachu so much. I looked at Pokemon Channel. I just looked at. I just I just thought, hey, this is what Pikachu Pikachu should have been. But for Sword and Shield, who are you gonna jump on as your uh, your starter of choice? Um, it'll probably be Sobble. Like I prefer Squirbunny and oh my god, I even forget the grass starter's name. Grookey. <laughs> Grookey. I prefer the designs more, but but I usually pick Water types, so I'll usually just probably see Sobble. But usually I also wait for like the reveal of the gym leaders and Elite Four, and then I usually make my choice to make myself. Make so my you're more strategic in terms of your choice as opposed to just which one you want to defend with your life. As to say, we're just—I thought we were just yeah. going for aesthetic preferences because I went with with Chespin on my X and Y playthrough, and I love Chespin, but his evolutionary line is uggo. It made me so mad. Oh yeah, because Chespin was endearing as heck. Yeah, and I love Chespin. I would never evolve into anything the, the weird ball thing, whatever that was. His final evolution was was neat in its weird way. But it just made no sense where it came from. Like, no, I would have yeah. bought it as a Pokemon on its own, because it's pretty BA looking, and I wouldn't want to get messed up by that thing. But, and I can't remember the last its name at the moment. But anyway. Chestnut. Chestnut, yeah. It's got a cool name and everything, but it just, yeah, coming from Chespin, it just kind of made no sense. Did either of you ever watch The Adventures of Nemo in Slumberland? No. no I haven't, no. Oh, is it an older anime cartoon? Uh, had, like, Mickey Rourke in it and stuff. I love it. Uh, I watched it as a kid, but it's uh, it's got these like goblins in it that all kind of seem very inspired by. There's a particular artist at the time that did like this really striking bunch of goblin stuff and Green Man kind of drawings and such. Uh, very similar to Tony Ditalizzi's stuff, but not quite the same. Anyways, a lot of like the goblins and stuff look like that, and Chespin always makes me think of their design. Like Chespin <laughs> would be like fit right in in, in um, Nightmare Land as one of like the little friendlier looking goblins from that. That were with I the gotcha. goblin, the mumps, I think is what they were called, or the moops. I can't remember the heck their the name is. They have a whole the song. Mumps. It's adorable. <laughs> Anyways, I watched it with Gwen 
couple months back and she loved it and i was like yes my childhood is validated right <laughs> but yeah aesthetically i can see why score bunny would be going with oh, i wonder i was like why has he got a band-aid he's always got a band-aid on his nose just running too fast because he's firefighting and they're trying to hide it from us <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'm actually hope, i'm again. hoping for either fire fairy or fire steel personally yeah fire steel would be interesting to cancel out it's shortcoming so to speak mm-hmm. we get destroyed by ground uh, i'm also with um nathan on the uh the sobble train if you hadn't listened to the episode that's where i'm at and gwen was all about the score bunny because she as she very uh ardently expressed she's all about them fire types and right. always has been <laughs> just wait till grookey gets the best evolutionary line <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> yeah right like i don't know well and again she's at the age but there's already a grass sticks. monkey they introduced him in gen 5 that funky monkey yeah they suck but whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they were all bad yeah the weird like not quite starter starters <laughs> yeah pan sage pan poor and pan seer yeah they're all like i'm like i'm like they're, they're like budget evs <laughs> basically i get what yeah. they're going for but <laughs> they weren't pandering to anybody also um simiseer <laughs> looks like a guy who comes into my workplace orders a coffee and then just sits in the back and awkwardly stares at people so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was getting I was getting a weird vibe from him, so I replaced him with Darmanitan as soon as I could. Yeah, they had super unfortunate evolution designs, I feel. Oh, speaking of cool evolution things, whatever. Um, Deerling. I liked how it changes through the seasons. Deerling is cute, yeah. Yeah, and all the different seasonal changes I thought was a really neat little kind of touch, and I would like to see more Pokemon stuff like that. It'd be really neat to see that even in the new one, if like the seasons affect stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd be really curious. It's in the UK. It's just going to rain all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's fair. Which, you know, being in Vancouver, I'll feel right at home. But it would be neat right, if, yeah, like, certain Pokemon were only came out at certain times of the year or came out at certain, like, times of day or something like that. I feel like that would add a, a really interesting element to mix up the, the formula, at least of the catching side. Because they did a big mix-up on, uh, on the last entry as far as the gym progression and stuff. So if they could mix up another aspect of the mechanics in a different way, because they probably will go back to the more traditional thing on this, I feel... I think that'd be really neat. Yeah, it looks like it looks like they're doing something different because they had the um that brief shot of the the stadium, the yeah, sports yeah. stadium. They, they called something different. I can't remember what they called them. This gym, they called them something different. It wasn't gym leader. It was. I think it was. They called it. I thought it was like master or something. But gym master. He, they made it yeah. seem like the gym battles are more of an event this time, which which could be yeah. interesting because I liked the trials in Sun and Moon. I thought that was a nice twist. Yeah, gym masters is what it, it seems to be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm curious. Oh, too cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's only fitting that the the Pokemon game set in the UK has an unhealthy fixation for sports, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Slag! You want to have a Pokemon fight? <laughs> Maybe that's what it'll be all about. Is they'll uh, the entire crux is the player trying to prevent like a sport riot. But yeah, that's um, that's a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of things have been going on. Uh, before we go and uh, get through the outro of things here, fellows, again, Caitlin, my ever-present co-host, was not here today, but we've all felt the benefit of Caitlin's work, right? Being reviewers and stuff like that, we've felt her uh, her, her touch on uh, how to edit and make our words sound better, which I need right now, apparently, because I can't find <laughs> how I want to speak. Abso- she ab- absolutely, <laughs> she, make, she makes my words sound good. Yeah, <laughs> As she is editing us at this moment while she listens to be like, it sounds well, Peter. Sounds well. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, thanks, Caitlin. Thanks for doing all the work you do. You, uh, you, you work hard 
and there's not a lot of editors. I mean, we can definitely give the same shout out to Hillary as well and uh, the now being trained up uh, Kyle, right? But yeah, thank you to our, our wonderful proofing team. You kind of do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and don't really, like it doesn't say like edited by whenever our reviews and features and stuff go up. So thank you for doing all that. I've been wanting to do a shout out on the episode for a while, but whenever Caitlin's here, her and I talk so darn much that we uh, start creeping up on the two hour mark and we have to go. So now that I have time, thank you all for your hard work. Yeah, I don't want to speak for you two, but I feel like the same is coming from you two as well. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yep. And with that, uh, we are at the end of another episode of Random Encounter. Again, this can kind of snuck up on me with uh, March break happening and pre-production of a short film I'm working on. I didn't get out to ask the listeners any questions. I just kind of realized when the episode was starting up, I was like, oh, right, I didn't talk to anybody. Uh, the only person I did talk to was my cousin Davis, who I want to give a shout out for. Um, when I started getting on RPG Fans uh, Random Encounter, he was interested in checking it out, and we've become his top two gaming podcasts of all time. And I made the joke, I was like, awesome. you only listened to two, right? He's like, well, yes, but... That's only because I've bounced off every other one I've listened to. So basically, we win for being one of the ones he wants to stick with. So we're doing something right. Well, there you so, go. Awesome. All of our uh, Random Encounter hosts, past and present, thanks for being here. Uh, speaking of which, if you do have any feedback you want to throw at us, spare potions, comments, concerns, whatever, you can email us at podcast at rpgfan.com. Or you can find us at Twitter through the uh, main RPG fan handle at rpgfancom. We uh, have a great social team helmed by Steph that will respond to anything you have to say about us. And we appreciate any feedback you get. Like, as I said uh, a few episodes ago, your approval sustains me. So please, by all means, keep the comments and everything coming. I love engaging with our listeners. So, uh, We also have some other podcasts. You may have heard of the old Retro Encounter. Uh, Retro Encounter is getting up to almost 200 episodes now. Uh, Solosi is a machine pumping these out on a weekly basis, and uh, I can't remember what we just had come out. What was the last one about? Oh, uh, the job search episode did just go up. All right. So yeah, the most recent one was the job search, which I was actually on that episode, which was really fun to talk about all the different kind of, I don't know, I'm a sucker for jobs in RPGs. If you give me a job system, right. I am there for you. So that was a fun episode to be on. Look forward to that. Peter teased some Chrono Cross, so you got that to look forward to. I almost wanted to be on that one as well, but I had no time to get into it because I bought a copy of Chrono Cross like three years ago for my PlayStation. Haven't had a chance to touch it yet, which is uh, tragic, I gotta say. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's Cr- Chrono Cross is one of those like criminally underrated sequels that did a lot of really unique stuff, um, but is also very different from its predecessor. I would say it's also my best, my, my one of my best friends. It's his favorite game, so he's excited to uh, to be. He's going to be replaying it too, so it'll be it's fun to compare notes while I'm doing this. I remember the very divisive conversation at the cafeteria table in high school about it, and how everyone would pan the the paper thin cast by comparison to its predecessor, and more doesn't necessarily mean better, and yada yada yada. So I'm really interested to form my own opinions on it. I just didn't have a PlayStation at the time; we couldn't get in it at the uh, when it was on the. When it was the latest new release. And the other podcast we have, speaking of uh, games with good music like Chrono Trigger, we have Rhythm Encounter. If you want to go and listen to lots of uh, past episodes where our esteemed group of panelists have gone into great depth to describe the various songs from and musical pieces you can get out of uh, RPGs, that's the place to do it. 
hopefully one day we will see it have new life breathed into it. But for now, it's still on uh, an indefinite hiatus. But you can still find past episodes. So all that being done, as I uh, still try and get into a routine, uh, it's still very clunky. I'm no Mike Solosi in the uh, closing statements, but I'm working my darndest. Thank you so much to both of you two fellows for being here on the podcast with me. I appreciate having you all yet again. It's been a while since I've gotten to chat with you. Yeah, of course. No bars. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And to all of our wonderful listeners, thank you so much for uh, having us. And we will talk to you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Baby King Regis is a snack, though.